Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'll be your host once again for today's episode. Joining me on the show this week is Paul Dreisch. Paul is the CEO of Preact Technologies, which is a company that develops vehicle collision avoidance systems and pre-crash technologies. Um, he's going to talk a little bit about the ADAS sensor that they develop um, and how that interacts with systems on the car. We're going to talk about those ADOS systems, the sensors, uh, autonomous vehicles, everything that goes into that and how it's going to shape the future of our industry in the automotive world. So I had a great talk with Paul. Uh, It's really cool to get to meet him and chat with some of this stuff. So hopefully you enjoy this as well. With that out of the way, let's jump in. All right. Good evening, Paul. How are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> doing great uh and thanks for having me um looking forward to it yeah it will i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join me here on the show uh it's awesome and uh excited to hear about uh what you've got going on and that's probably the best place to start is if you want to give the listeners just a, a brief introduction to yourself what you do and your company mm-hmm. Sure, sure. I mean, my name is Paul Dreisch. I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called Preact Technologies. Preact spun out of a defense contractor that my uh, co-founder created and founded and still runs this day. Uh, I think it's about 20 some odd years old now. And they focus on uh, active protection systems for the military, basically systems that detect an incoming missile RPG, mm. things like that, try and knock it down before it blows you to pieces kind of thing. <laughs> so okay. um, what we we set out to do was to develop uh, uh, a near field sensor that was unlike anything that was on the market today. Most near field sensors are uh, RGB cameras, like for Park Assist, uh, ultrasonic sensors, and short range radar. So that's that's okay. the, the bulk of the near field sensors on cars. And we wanted to develop a a really low cost LIDAR that could replace many of those sensors. Um, mm. Not all, you know, every sensor has its pros and cons, but replace a lot of them with a much higher performance um, sensing capability that would improve performance of existing uh, you know, what we call slow ADAS functionality and mm-hmm. uh, enable new use cases. Okay. What's the distance that's considered near field? Is there a specific uh, measurement? Zero, zero, like one inch to 20 meters. Gotcha. I like mix, All right. mixing my uh, scales there, but. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, we'll go two yeah, centimeters so, to 20 okay, meters. Okay. Okay. 
And yeah, we're very familiar with the, you know, the ultrasonic ones. Mm-hmm. Those have been around mm-hmm. for quite some time. I mean, probably some yeah. of the first driver assistance ones. Um, yep. Yep. What about LIDAR makes it better performance than something like that? Well, you know, ultrasonic sensors, it's, it's almost like a single pixel camera. You know, it's looking directly in one view and it, it can't tell you anything other than does it get a return signal back, basically, from that certain gotcha. narrow point of view, field of view. You know, a LIDAR like ours, which isn't even super high um, uh, resolution, it's still, it's 70, 78,000 pixels equivalent, you oh, know, wow. and it, and the frame rate goes up to 150 frames a second. So it's like, you know, 3 million pixels a second, whereas an ultrasonic sensor is like one or two. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, so it's feeding a ton uh, more data in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is, is they most lidar are super expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the the big guys and the traditional long range lidar for like self driving vehicles and that those things are thousands of dollars a piece. Okay. <laughs> and that, so you know, we set out. You know, we're all you know, um, kind of all ex car guys and that, and been in the industry our whole lives, and so we knew. If you're going to replace something on a car, you know, OEMs are super conservative and they're super price sensitive. So they had to Mm -hmm. bring in something that was comparable in price and hopefully a lot better in performance. So, Sure. And so you're actually selling these two OEs that are going to be putting them on new cars off the line? Yeah. our, Our customers are generally the tier ones. So ZF, Bosch, Magna, Continental, people like that gotcha. that make the ADAS systems, you know, uh, okay. and they then sell them to the OEMs. Very, very few OEMs besides like Tesla and a couple of the Chinese OEMs make their own, are totally vertically integrated and in, when it comes to ADAS. So, okay. Yeah. Um, how does something like that... Uh, and the reason I'm going this direction, uh, I'm thinking about inclement weather, right? Because mm-hmm. I live in Minnesota and it's cold yeah. and snowy and icy here for what seems to be nine months out of the year. Um, yeah. What's what's the performance on for these in something like, let's say there's a bunch of snow coming down or even just rain. Can they still yeah. perform the same or are they hindered by that sort of thing? Yeah, any any optical sensor is hindered in in those scenarios. And uh, um, snow for our sensor, snow is not a big deal. Uh, a ton of misty rain, like being behind another car on the road, you know, and there's a lot of spray coming up. Mm-hmm. That's a bigger issue. Gotcha. You know, snow snow by itself um, isn't isn't too bad at all, really. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I feel like that's one of the bigger obstacles that uh, auto mm-hmm. manufacturers are going to have to overcome as I know they're moving towards, you know, a fully autonomous vehicle uh, yeah. to be sold. And that's just one of the things that I feel is going to be very challenging to get around is how you 
would navigate a vehicle. I mean, it's tough for people to do it. So, yeah, know. it's it's a very um, again, no sensor, you know, does it all. You know, regardless of what like Tesla says, you know, you mm-hmm. know, you can't do you know good ADAS and that with just one sensor modality. You know, you do have to have some redundancy and, you know, um, I wouldn't say rate, I, I would say ultrasonic sensors are, are on their way out. Okay. Um, I would, I would bet anything on it. I know they are, uh, radar, however, is continues to get better and it's a pretty good complement to what we're doing. Um, in that, um, so yeah. That's, you know, and all all depends. There's certain use cases where we're perfectly good. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of use cases where it requires multiple uh, sensors, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, You know, like you mentioned, with going from ultrasonic to LiDAR, the idea, I imagine, would be to try to gather as much information as possible about the surroundings of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, And then course you need the computing power to process all of that stuff and you know the algorithms to figure all that stuff mm-hmm. out it it's really crazy um i i don't know that much about it but i've i've listened and i've read some stuff about ai and how all that works together and it's it's incredibly interesting how it takes mm-hmm. all that information in and um i actually remember i i was in a vehicle in i was in las vegas and they were testing out a bmw that was self-driving and mm-hmm. they still had somebody in the driver's seat and he was ready to grab the wheel, but the car was driving us around yeah. and you could see on the center stack, all of the data inputs that the car was seeing and yeah. all of the obstacles and the people. And, and I was incredibly interesting. Just Yeah. Yeah. It's, the, it's get, getting better and better and better, but I would say autonomous vehicles for the most part are still quite a ways away. You know, mm-hmm. it's, they work great 95% of the time. They work pretty well 98% of the time, you know, <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah. you know, they, they have some, some work to go and they, and they do that, you know, these kind of Waymo cars and, and that, you know, they, they have like a half million dollars worth of computing power in those trunks and stuff and, and okay. the sensors and that, yeah, those are you know, just, I mean, just orders of magnitude more expensive than anything you could put in production, um, you know, have people be able to afford to buy. Yeah. Not something that's uh, realistic, uh, to, to have as a vehicle, yeah. at, least, yet. at least yet. Yeah. Someday, but <laughs> yeah, we're a ways off. Um, but in the, in the present right now, I mean, technicians are running into these systems uh, quite often, uh, body mm-hmm. shops, especially with collision repair, uh, mm-hmm. you're dealing with, you know, calibrations and <laughs> diagnostics yeah. to these systems. Um, let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, in your opinion, you know, for somebody who's going to go out, you're going to be a technician, you're going to work on these systems, repair these systems and diagnose these systems. <laughs> What kind of qualifications or education level would you assume a person would need in order to be that guy to fix these systems that are going to, you know, potentially prevent, you know, death or injury to somebody, right? 
Right. Right. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's really going to be that much different in the future than it is now. Um, I think the systems are being designed that, um, you know, you have to be, you know, proficient with a, a computer and, and some program that a diagnostics program and that, or maybe mm-hmm. a calibration program, things like that. But it's, I don't think it's going to get much harder, um, than that. And then, and then there's always the, the discussion, uh, you know, like our, our, our LIDAR units are fully software definable. So, you know, think of, you know, like Tesla, the way they were, you know, you know, I don't know what percentage of all their kind of recalls are, they're able to fix via software, but it's a lot, you know? Okay. Our, our units are designed. We're the first ones in the world to do this. They're fully software definable, meaning we can, we can change the kind of some of the technology in that and the algorithms and, and that over the air. We can also add and subtract features as okay. well. So, um, so that's, that's a, maybe a pro and con for, you know, an aspiring technician. So a lot of stuff will in the future be able to be handled, you know, just over the air. Okay. Uh, not need a technician. Or you that may not said, be, need to be at the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. That said, you know, the, the systems are getting more complex than that. So I don't, I don't know the break even, you know, it's like some things mm-hmm. are going to go away, but maybe there's, I think for sure there's new issues that are going to arise that will sure. require, you know, a, a technician at the vehicle. So, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, you know, that seems to be coming up with computers, it's almost shifting more towards like an IT profession when you really get deep into the computers and the networks and stuff on a vehicle. So it's a different mindset, right? The nuts and bolts. Um, Although that's still going to be needed too. Uh, When you say software defined, do you see that being more present on the entire vehicle? Like I know BMW, I just saw a thing the other day where their heated seats are subscription based, right? So yep. if you don't yep. pay your subscription for the heated seats, they turn them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but did you see? You know, so that got a lot of backlash. But then I, I don't know if it was their CFO or CTO came out and kind of doubled down on it and explained the situation, and it made a lot of sense. It's like I think it, in that ex- is the heated steering wheel, and I think he said like, okay, to buy that you know, on, on the, you know, Monrooney label, it's going to, it's like 270 euros. If you want a lifetime subscription to it, it's only 220. And if you only want it for like, you know, the three months of winter each year, it's 50 bucks a year or something, Mm, something like that. So you're, you're, you avoid paying for it up front. Um, but then, you know, we'll have to pay something later on. So it's, it, it makes sense for a lot of things, you know, um, you know, not everybody's going to want it. A lot of people will just say, no, just give me what I want and right. be like, um, you know, I'll just pay for it when I need it. Do you see more of that come down the road? And with that, 
do you think there'll be just subscription-based cars in general, like less ownership and more just, I, I pay, I pay a fee to an app and then I have access to this, this vehicle. That's a, that's a good question. Um, at some point probably be that latter, um, scenario. It's going to be a long time. Um, you know, I don't, just like, you know, when you rent a car, you know, it's it's never like all that clean and all <laughs> sure. that, you know, it's a little beat up and like, is that, you know, um, so it'll be, it'll be a mix of things for a long, long time. Um, but it's it is coming. I mean, a lot of a lot of the OEMs are pushing. I don't know about, you know, clearly ownership as a you know, uh, car as a service kind of thing, but clearly, Mm -hmm. um, the features, you know, being able to add and subtract features based on subscriptions and, and that is definitely coming and the ability to add, um, uh, performance or safety features or that, um, over time is a great thing. You know, um, like that's one of the, one of the programs we're working on with a a big chairman tier one, you know, our LIDAR, you know, being fully upgradable, the use case that's being, that we're developing for is just one thing that, that this unit can do over time. You know, they, they can add other safety features. We could improve our algorithms that make that sensor more accurate you know, it tracking objects better, things like that. I mean, as as cars move from internal combustion engines to EVs, they're going to last a lot longer. An electric motor can go 4 million miles and, and then, okay, what do you have to do? Replace the bearings and it's, it's good again, you know. Mm-hmm. And these single-speed transmissions in EVs last so much longer than, a, you know, an eight-speed um, traditional transmission, these cars are going to last a lot longer. So if they're going to last, you know, 15 to 20 years now, do you want to be driving the car with the 15 to 20 year old safety system? You know, so, so maybe the OEM upgrades that for free. Maybe they charge you for it. Okay. Either way, I think it's a kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I've heard different. I've heard both sides of you know the. I don't know if it's a debate, but just opinions on the EV vehicles, and you know, is this something that's going to be, you know, more more reasonable, more reliable for a customer? And there's, yeah, like I said, there's there's different sides of the debate, but a lot of it comes from the hybrid vehicles that are present and say, okay, well, look, you know, these are the things that are failing on the hybrid vehicles, but it's it's kind of a mix between the two. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure there's still be maintenance. There's going to be, you know, electrical system failures and component the suspension yep. and brakes, right? That stuff that's, oh, yeah. that's going to be there. So yeah, yep. there'll be, there'll be service to be done. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things I was considering on some of these ADAS systems, mm-hmm. even now that we're seeing is, yeah, is the system going to function correctly for the life of the vehicle? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I guess what you're saying is, 
there can be some updates done on the vehicle to improve the technology as it's going yeah. down the road. Yeah. Um, which that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely. I, I, I always use the uh, analogy of the, do you know the ring doorbells and ring cameras? In mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I got one. Well, in, in my house, I, I have a, a door bot, the doorbell one, and then I have other jet, you know, various cameras. I still have a gen one door bot. 14, 15 years old now, and it still works great because they keep upgrading it over the air and it works. I have some, I think they're like generation seven cameras in my backyard. I can't tell the difference. They they do the same thing now, you know, and they just keep improving the performance of this, you know, 14, 15 year old door bot. Interesting. Yeah. You know, they improve the sensitivity you know, the false spotters, cause you know, you don't want it going off all the time, you mm-hmm. know, as cars fly, especially if they're battery powered. For sure. You know? And they've totally improved. Mine, mine works 10 times better than it did, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's, well, it's really impressive what you can do with just software, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to, to change the aspect. I, I do a lot with programming of control modules uh, when we're replacing them on vehicles and then sometimes mm-hmm. updating the software and some of the issues that have been resolved just by a software package always mm-hmm. kind of blow me away. Not always, but some of them have like, yeah. There was one where an engine was making a noise, you know, a physical noise on mechanical components and the software update fixed it, right? Through doing things differently. Control of the engine, they figured out a way to get rid of this noise. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool when you can do that. That's impressive, yeah. 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 So some smart people out there writing that code, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Do you ever see... So we get enough of this, you know, we get this technology on here and they keep updating, updating. I mean, is there going to be a point where these cars are just not crashable, where there's there's not going to be car accidents? And uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know yeah, if that, insurance companies would love that or not. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those things. I mean, until I mean, it, it's so far away because you have um, you have old cars. Yeah current generation cars, you know, uh, and then you yeah. have multiple generations of, you know, kind of semi-autonomous, you know, these level two, level three cars, mm-hmm. and then you have fully autonomous and they're going to not play well together for a long, long, long time, you know, right? Um, things, you know, so, you know, some things are clearly good, like automatic emergency braking, that that works pretty well. You know, some of these other things, most people turn them off because they're just freaking annoying, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, right, the lane right. departure thing. It's like, Oh my God, uh-huh. that's, that's the, <laughs> yeah. I, I've driven one that was definitely too sensitive. And then I drove another one that I actually thought was pretty well done again, probably done through software. How oh, that's. Yeah. Uh, I had corrected. a rental car in Detroit uh, a few years ago that had the automatic lane keep, keep assist, you know, so you put on cruise control and it tried to stay between the lines, but it kept wanting to go over the left line. Oh, you know, okay. It basically, so it's probably not calibrated correctly. Yeah, <laughs> and it just yeah. wanted to ride about, probably about six inches to the left of the left line. Okay. <laughs> okay. Know? 
it was horrible. Yeah. Well, you know, it can be inconvenient. And then you think um, if something like that is involved in an accident, right? There's some sort of miscalibration or malfunction of the systems. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, a lot of people have predicted that that's going to be an issue in the future too, is the legalities of that. And who is at fault? You know, is it manufacturer of the vehicle or the part? Is it technician who worked on it last? Where is that going to be when it ends up, you know, being a death on the road? Um, And so I get why it's going to be a long time until they're fully autonomous because they've got to really, they're going to have to sort some of this stuff out as it comes Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, you don't want anybody to to die or get injured for something like this. But it's going to happen out there, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um. Oh, um. The uh, pre-crash. I was looking up some stuff on pre-crash. Mm-hmm. What's your definition of that? What systems are involved, or what goes into a pre-crash system for a car. Sure. There's, there's two ways to look at it, but, um, one is kind of a misnomer. Um, so like automatic emergency braking, some people kind of call that pre-crash, but that's not really it. Pre-crash in the auto industry is there is an imminent collision about to happen, you know, meaning like you are screwed, you know, there's no two ways about it. The laws of physics say, these two objects are going to hit each other. That's pre-crash or imminent collision detection. And that's that's how we started the company, was going after that. Um, uh, you know, and that, um, the problem with that, it's, it's doable, but there's, you know, a lot of lawyers that get involved in that because, you know, you're, you're talking about changing the vehicle dynamics or tightening a seatbelt prior to collision, actually mm. potentially blowing an airbag prior to a collision. So you have to okay. be really darn positive that it's it's going to happen. Now, you, there's a lot of things you can do that are non-destructive. Like you could pre-charge the airbag so that that airbag, you know, once you're, you have five nines confidence that you are going to get hit, mm-hmm. you can tell the ADAS system, charge that airbag and then it, it can deploy quicker after the accident and uh, inflate larger or okay. inflate slower so that you don't, you know, I forget what the percentage, huge percentage of injuries from accidents are from the airbag, you know, sure. smacking you. Yeah. Um, yeah. They come out really fast. Compared to what the alternative would have been. But if you can inflate it larger or slower, it's less, you know, painful, if you will. You can have a three-stage airbag instead of a two-stage airbag. You can tighten the, the seat belts right before the crash. You can, with the new electronic suspensions, you you do have technically enough time, um, potentially to, like, if you're about to get T-boned, tilt the the impact side just up a few degrees so that the the frame, the door sill versus the door takes more of the impact. And there's been studies that like just a few degrees can take, the frame will take like 40% more of the impact than the door. You know, um, you can lower the uh, windows, a crack 
so that you don't pop your eardrums, which okay. I guess happens. You know, I when suppose, you get, yeah, if you got a tight sealed cabin, you have all the bags go off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of little things. You can, if you're about to get hit in one spot, you could literally have the system like just tap the brake of one of the tires just to, you know, unweight the, you know, just get the mass of the car going a slightly different way so that when it gets hit, it's less of an impact. So there's a ton of little things that are, that are, you know, technically possible these days, but they're, um, you know, I don't want to say they're dangerous, but they, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's got to be very wrong, accurate. Yeah. You know, it's like Tesla and their autopilot. Well, it's not going so well, you know, for them these days. Um, you know, and no, no traditional car company wants to go down that path and have issues. So that's why pre-crash is, uh, um, uh, it's going to be a slow adoption, you know, all right. It's starting to creep in, but just barely. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I've dealt a lot with the airbag systems over the years, and the, yeah, the pretensioners, and they they seem to add, you know, more features to that system every year. They have active headrests that will snap out to protect you from mm-hmm. whiplash, and then just all of the different inflator modules in general. Right? It used to be you just have the two and in the steering wheel and the passenger dash. And mm-hmm. now you've got curtain bags. You've got Ford has bags in the seat belt. Volvo's got one that comes out, you know, outside the vehicle to protect in case you hit a pedestrian, um, yep. all, all kinds of crazy stuff, but they really ramped that up in the higher end vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very slowly coming, but yeah, lots of lawyers involved in that <laughs> yeah. stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so when you're talking about liabilities and brand image, the OEMs move pretty slow. Sure. No, I, I mean, that's understandable, too, um, yeah. when you're dealing with that stuff. But I, I think it's significantly, I should say, I know it's significantly safer to drive a vehicle today than it would be 20, 30 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, they're constructed in a way, and I've seen some of these things after they've been in an accident, and it's just it's constructed in a way to really protect those occupants of that vehicle. But then when you have, and that, that's just the SRS system, now when you have sensors outside that can alter the pitch of the vehicle and the braking system, um, that's, that's great stuff, you know, just for anybody that wants to hop in a car, because... Unfortunately, there's going to be accidents at one point or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have um, you ever been in a vehicle where the bags went off? Oh yeah, yep, yep, yeah. I got, I got t-boned in a grocery store parking lot by a like ninety-seven year old woman who should obviously not have been driving, and she stepped on the gas. T-boned me. You know, she went instead of the brake, she stepped on the gas at the sure. Stop sign in the parking uh, lot and t-boned me continued with foot on the brake oh no hit, hit another car and then finally stopped once she hit the big cement uh stanchion holding up the one of the light posts but okay. she just full you know full gas on that gas pedal oh, and man pulled. yeah <laughs> um 
So, but the, yeah, that's that's the only time. But yeah, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We would. Um, I, I taught for the automotive program, and we'd set airbags off. Uh, you know, every year when we do our airbag class, just to give them a sense of this is essentially an explosive device that's going <laughs> off and come out very fast and very loud in case you, yeah. you haven't seen one. Now, you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I think I need to, uh, get running actually now though. I've got sure. to, if that's okay. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Well, thank you again for spending some time with me this evening. I really appreciate it. Great. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Paul. Yeah. Nice meeting you. Yeah, you too. All right. Thanks. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode. One more big thank you to Paul for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening as well. And wanted to remind everybody if you're looking for any top down equipment, whether that be battery chargers, maintainers, jump packs, scan tools, thermal imagers. Uh, whatever it might be, even ADAS equipment, um, I can get you the hookup on that. Just hit me up uh, either through my email or Facebook Messenger, and we'll get you set up. We'll get you the podcast discount. All right. Other than that, let's all get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.